Oh my word, what have we here? It is the Lunduke Journal podcast for April 28th, the year of our Lord, 2022. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the six dirty secrets of the Linux and open source industry. I, that, this was an article that got published over on the Lunduke Journal, as it would happen. And I just, I have more to say. <laughs> If you've already read the article, uh, I, I've got a lot more to say. I, I just I've got more to say. Uh, but there's a link to the article so you can uh, read the written word version of it. Uh, but we've boy, there's just a lot here. Um, before we get into that, I need to, of course, thank all the subscribers to the Lunduke Journal. You are amazing. Uh, the free subscribers and the paid subscribers. I like paid subscribers. I'm partial to them. I'm not going to lie. Uh, because they keep the lights on around here and make all of this possible. But all the free subscribers are amazing, too. We got uh, just in the last 24 hours, there's been over 200 new free subscribers to the Lunduke Journal. Uh, even if you, you don't have any any extra buckazoids in your pocket, go over to lunduke.substack.com and subscribe over there. That way you get all the articles and the podcasts, all the free stuff, Uh right in your email inbox every day and it's it's good stuff <laughs> not to not to toot my own horn or nothing but it's it's darn good stuff um but uh, go do that and again it of course the paid subscribers make all this possible it's super duper cheap right now thank you to all the foundation founding member subscribers out there that make that possible um but uh, uh at least get the free subscription you gotta at least do that do that for yourself do that for the people around you all right so let's talk about this dirty, these dirty secrets. I want to preface this. I really, really need to preface this by saying this is not about drama. Um, I, I really need to be clear about this, about what my, my thoughts are in, in publishing this, this piece. Um, there are many things that happen in the Linux and broader free software and open source world throughout the industries. I'm talking like the industry part of it, the companies and whatnot behind it, the big organizations. Um, that is just really just overly dramatic. Overly dramatic stuff happens with great regularity, right? And I try to ignore the vast majority of it. You'll, you'll notice when you read through the Lunduke Journal... It's very rare that we we dwell too much on the pure drama. Like the the other day, we did a, I did a piece on the QB sixty four saga stuff, right? Um, where you know they had a new leader come in and it just kind of wiped out the whole project and like it was crazy. It was craziness. Um, and the reason I covered that, even though it is clearly drama, like that's what that is. It's drama to the max. It's like TNT. We know drama. Like it's drama. Um, but it was drama that had a real tangible impact on not just the members of the project, but anyone who was using the project. And, and I felt like that because of that, we should we should talk about those things. So the six dirty secrets we're about to talk about um, are, are, in my opinion, in that category. All of the things we're about to talk about are in some way, shape, or form dramatic. But they also have a really deep and profound impact on the way organizations and companies are run, where the focus gets put 
on on various projects, including the Linux kernel itself, um, the politics surrounding it, uh, how it gets distributed, all of it, all all of it has an impact on all of us, and so these are these are things that are. And perhaps dirty secrets is the wrong word, uh, is the wrong phrase to use. Uh, but uh, it's a fun phrase, so I went with it. Because these are all things that are, that are publicly known. Like, I'm not, I'm not airing any, any super secret skeleton in there. I mean, there's, while the, the Linux and open source industries have skeletons in their closet, boy, do they. Uh, the vast majority of them just aren't going to matter in terms of um, how things run on a day-to-day basis, um, how projects are governed and run, uh, the resulting quality of the Linux kernel and the industry and the, the ecosystem surrounding it. Right, most most of those little little skeletons and dirty secrets just aren't going to impact anything. These ones do, and they're all publicly known, but not publicly talked about much. And more to the point. All the organizations and companies that we're about to talk about have a sort of established track record of very much not wanting us to talk about these things. And whenever, whenever there's a company <laughs> uh, or an organization that derives some sort of revenue, right? Uh, even if it's a nonprofit, but it has an income stream, right? So some sort of a group that makes money. Anytime there's that, and they really don't want you talking about something that is directly part of what they do, that raises red flags for me. It's it's like, okay, I need to, at the very least, be aware of whatever is going on over here, because... <laughs> Because someone really doesn't want me knowing about it. And why? Like, why don't they want me talking about these particular things? Um, these are all things that, well, let's just get into it. Let's get in. Let's go through it one by one because it's, there's there's quite a few of them here. And now the first, uh, I believe the first two or the first three are all about the Linux Foundation. Um, because they're the Linux Foundation. They're the foundation that so many companies are tied into and they govern and, and run basically the Linux kernel development. I mean, they really, really do. Um, while the Linux kernel development obviously has, you know, so many hundreds, if not thousands of contributors at any one given point in time, the reality is the Linux kernel foundations in charge they pay the bills of the people who are the kernel maintainers and uh, as well as linus himself and uh, they kind of govern things they, they just they just do oh, i gotta i gotta take a drink mm. oh that's good oh that's tasty that's a nice sweet iced tea i love i love a good sweet tea all right so let's dive into this um, so the very first one that I'd like to talk about, the dirty secret number one, is not a dirty secret at all. It's just something we need to remember, and that is that the Linux Foundation is funded and controlled by Microsoft, Facebook, and quite a few other big companies that we wouldn't normally associate with free software and Linux. So, so as of uh, a couple of years ago, the cost of a platinum membership to be a corporate member of the Linux Foundation was half a million dollars, was $500,000, right? Um, now, and because of that, because of all the companies that they brought on board at that level and at some lower levels, Linux Foundation revenue, um, as of 2021, as of last year, 
was at $177 million. Okay. Okay. Now, platinum members, that includes Microsoft, Oracle, and Facebook, or I guess now Meta, but Facebook, right? The board of directors of the Linux Foundation includes representatives from Facebook, Microsoft, and Amazon, who the, the, the chair, the actual chair of the Linux Foundation is an employee of Amazon. Now, now here's the thing. Here's, the, here's why I think this is, this is important. Well, there's multiple reasons. But the first of which is a lot of people, when they sit down and they use a Linux desktop <laughs> or a Linux phone, they kind of view themselves as counterculture a little bit rebellious right you're staying clear of big tech right uh you're using linux and sticking it to the man oh boy howdy no not anymore it not only is linux funded the linux foundation and the board it is funded and run by microsoft and facebook and amazon and oh my gosh the list of right there facebook microsoft amazon that is the least rebellious group of tech companies I can imagine. It is absolutely ridiculous. And, and if you think about that, what, uh, it, it raises red flags. Considering the long history of Microsoft declaring Linux as the enemy, and now they fund it and control it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now you may think that's great, right? I can, I can think of, if I'm being really honest, I can think of reasonable positives that come about because of that. Because, I mean, really, almost everything has positive, positives and negatives to it. And I can think of the positives, but, but the negatives, man... It's, it's Microsoft, Facebook, and Amazon. <laughs> um, now, now, here's another thing. Here's another thing. Did you know the Linux Foundation takes donations, right? Uh, actually, this, this one's kind of interesting because this, uh, this is actually updated recently. Um, but until very, very recently, the Linux Foundation donation page where individuals like you and me can donate to the Linux Foundation had a disclaimer on it that read, and I quote, 100% of donations received go towards funding diversity programs. Now, this is not a political place, right? This is not where we talk about politics. So let's put aside whatever political thoughts you have, positive or negative, and put them, put them, in a, put them over there in a jar and close that jar and stick it in the cupboard. What... What? The Linux, it, it, that sentence could read 100% of donations received go towards funding um, Skittles purchases. Well, what does any of that have to do with the Linux kernel? The very reason for the Linux foundation existing in the first place. It's incredibly weird, incredibly weird that the Linux foundation would take donations at all and not apply them for use. Not even 0% of them towards the thing that they are named after right it'd be like donating to it'd be like donating to um uh the uh the the blanket and pillow foundation 
right? And donating a whole bunch of money to the Blanket and Pillow Foundation. And the Blanket and Pillow Foundation uses that money to fund um, beatbox videos, <laughs> right? It's like, well, wait a minute. This literally has nothing to do at all with with what, what, what I just thought I was donating to. So that's very strange, right? Well, they just changed that disclaimer. They just changed that donation page to remove that disclaimer. I, I linked to the archive version of it so you can see the archive of it. It really did say that. Uh, for years it said that. Uh, and they just removed that. Um, I've asked... I've asked the Linux Foundation um, so many times about that over several years. They have never, not once, responded about it, but they just quietly removed that just there. But here's, here's a crazy thing. Here's a crazy bit. Along those same no, no, tokens, did you know that the Linux Foundation spends 3.4% of its annual revenue on Linux? That is per the Linux Foundation's <laughs> annual reports. They have they literally spend 3.4% of that 177 million dollars on Linux. It is the smallest of all the bullet point budget items that the Linux Foundation lists on their annual report. Linux is the smallest item that they feel is worth even mentioning it's it's crazy how much that linux is the smallest budgetary item that they'll even talk about and it's only three and a half it's not even three and a half percent and again it's the linux foundation it's i don't know it, it just seems weird to me that they're the linux foundation and they do so little linux which brings me which brings me to the third Linux Foundation point. <laughs> and that is that the Linux Foundation is in a lot of other businesses. The two I find or the one I should say that I find the absolute weirdest is the vaccine passport business. Not because of any political related topic, because it is so way far removed from Linux. Like most of the Linux Foundation businesses, and they have a lot of them, they have so many, quote, sub-foundations that uh, it is ridiculous. But most of them, in some way, are Linuxy, right? Like like they'll have ones that deal with, uh, you know, supercomputers and mainframes. They'll have ones that deal with, you know, containerization. And at some level, you know, they th th the software involved runs on or touches Linux or talks to Linux or something, right? Like it's, it's not really Linux, but it's like Linux adjacent at least. But the vaccine passport thing is just, it's just so out of left field it is just one of those things it's like really you guys you guys make vaccine passport systems okay all right you guys could go ahead and do that I, I mean here's the thing is i have no qualms with the linux foundation getting into that business if they can get whatever business they want to get into it's their own company um but uh it just it seems like at this point you know maybe calling themselves the linux foundation um uh, maybe they should be the foundation formerly known as the Linux Foundation or the uh they should be the foundation that mostly uses open source but not entirely um stuff like that you know what i mean like it's just it's like ah uh, 
that's not it's not fan it's not always fantastic um and they're also starting to like put their dip their toes into the nft world now um and uh, again put aside your thoughts on nfts i love nfts i hate nfts i don't care about nfts whatever put it all off to the side for a minute they're, 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 they released uh, this report about how not all blockchains are created equal, the carbon footprint of NFTs that came out uh, just this month. Uh, and they did little videos around it. And they're kind of getting into the NFT game here, right? It's like, okay, what does that have to do with, with Linux? Well, it really doesn't. But I think they see potential money in it, so they're getting into it. I mean, it's, like the, it's just like with vaccine passports. They saw money in it, and they're getting into it. That's just how it is. Um, you know, a, a little bit uh, of a funny thing for me. I, I think it was in December. I wrote an article entitled, Linux Foundation Releases Linux as NFT. It was a satire piece, right? The whole... Th- <laughs> The whole, the whole thing was it was ridiculous it was it was a ridiculous satire piece um but hey only a few months later and linux foundation is already getting into the nft game i'm curious to see how long until linux becomes an nft or there's like some weird linux nft tie together like a like a a, a kernel driver for nfts or some weird thing uh, watch something weird's going to happen and it's going to cause your head to tilt like 70,000 degrees to one side. It's going to be weird. All right. All right. Let's put, uh, let's put Linux foundation aside for a minute because it's weird. And, and I, I want to say this straight up. I know many of the people involved in Linux foundation to certain degrees. Like I I've met them a couple of times or I've done business with them or I've interviewed them on shows or something, right? Like if, if you go through like the list of people that are, you know, at the top of the Linux Foundation or on the board or something like that. Like, I don't know, maybe like, I don't know, like half of them or so. Not bad people, uh, by and large. Um, I, like, like I, I don't like all of them, but um, I like some of them quite a bit. There are some very nice people there. Um, I just think it's funny how little Linux is going on at the Linux Foundation, which might make some sense considering that first thing we talked about about who controls and pays the linux foundation yeah hmm all right so let's let's move over here let's move to uh the open source initiative because it's this is a i need more drink i'm drinking arizona sweet tea tonight and it's delicious it's ice cold and the can is just like covered in condensation on the outside just like it should be Mm. oh that's good Oh, that's tasty. All right. Um, so the Open Source Foundation, sorry, the Open Source Initiative. The Open Source Initiative, wh- what do they do? So they are the ones that are responsible for being the, quote, steward of the open source definition, right? So uh, quite some years back, um, uh, Bruce Perrins uh, wrote the open source definition. Um, uh, obviously, it was input from others as well. Um, where and then the open source initiative was founded to sort of say this license over here this complies and is an open source license that license over there it doesn't comply it's not an open source license that's really what they do that's all they really exist for is to basically provide a set of of peer-reviewed and evaluated open source licenses to determine whether or not they really meet the standard of being an open source license 
it's kind of a way of making it a little bit easier to pick a license for a project or to uh, to make sure that certain licenses are compatible with each other. There's some value in that, right? It's not. It doesn't need to be a huge organization in order to achieve that value, uh, but that's the idea behind it. Well, it was founded, the Open Source Initiative was founded by two guys, specifically two guys, Bruce Perrins, again, of the Open Source def Definition, and Eric S. Raymond, right? The e ESR, Cathedral and the Bazaar guy. So, uh, these obviously, Bruce Perrins and Eric Raymond are, are legendary within the world of, of computer software and open source. They just are. Uh, whether you like them or hate them or feel neutral about them, they're they're pretty important guys. And if you don't really know who they are, I suggest you go spend some time and just kind of read through some biographies about them or Wikipedia or something just to kind of get, get associated with both of them. Well, in 2005, Bruce Perrins was rejected when, when he applied to be a member of the Open Source Initiative. <laughs> He created it and they wouldn't let him back in like he, he created it and then uh, applied to have membership uh, in it uh, at a later time some years later and uh, they wouldn't let him they said no we don't want you around here Bruce Perrins <laughs> seriously they did that to the founder I mean what an awful snub right that'd be like I don't know that'd be like Walt Disney and you retire and then after you retire, you go to Disneyland and they're like, sorry, Walt, you don't get to come in. We're not selling you a ticket. Right. Like it's like it's like, oh, burn. Oh, super, super mega burn. Or if you're like, like, let's say like Steve Jobs didn't pass away. He just retired. Right. Or no, Steve Wozniak. Let's go with Wozniak because he's still alive. Um, let's say Wozniak goes to an Apple store. But Apple, Apple store is like, sorry, sorry, Steve Wozniak. You can't shop at this Apple store. <laughs> Like, it's like, oh, man, they wouldn't even let him like we're not even talking about like him being like the president or the board chairman or anything like that. Just his membership application was denied. And then and then in 2020, Eric Raymond was banned from having any involvement in the open source initiative, including the public mailing lists. They would not let the founder of the entire organization on their email list. That's how much they hated him. <laughs> so literally, this organization that that <laughs> that runs that that that's responsible for like being the steward of the open source definition and like sanctifying open source licenses and whatnot. Uh the two people that created the whole thing, they're not they're so despised by the people that currently run it that the people that currently run it won't allow them anywhere near it at all. I, I suppose for fear that they'll disagree with something they say, I don't know. I, I really, I really couldn't tell you. It's absolutely insane to me. Uh, now, right about now, you're wondering, hey, who gives money to the open source initiative? Funny you should ask. Google, Microsoft, Comcast, and Twitter, uh, among others. But uh, those are some of the big ones. Microsoft, huh? Really? Okay. All right. All right. Interesting. Interesting. So, got it. Uh, it's just as a side note. As a side note, um, this is these are not the only times that open source organizations kick out the people 
that create the open source organization. This is like a running thing. This is like a, almost a standard. Like you just, if you create an open source organizations organization and it becomes important, you will be kicked out and the people who now control it somehow will publish some sort of, a, of announcement telling everyone how bad you are. That's just a thing that happens. Um, People tried for a long time to get Richard Stallman kicked out of the Free Software Foundation, and it kind of sort of halfway worked, and then he kind of came back, just but not not in a leadership capacity. Um, and then and people did the same thing with Linus Torvalds, trying to get him removed from the Linux kernel project entirely. And again, it kind of sort of worked. He, it kind they kind of bullied him until he until he agreed to like step down for a while and like go on hiatus. And I don't know, he had like see a counselor or something like that it was weird um but it, this sort of thing goes on a lot so if <laughs> the weird thing to me is that there are really large portions of the open source industry that really have it out for the founders of the projects that they themselves use and run uh and that to me is weird that's just weird it's a weird it's a weird phenomenon like if it happens one time you could be like oh well that's just this group of people doesn't like that person Okay, All right. you know that that can happen. You know, personality conflicts, viewpoint differences, whatever. I get it. But when it when it starts going on, and you're the open source initiative, and you ban a hundred percent of your founders, when when that's the sort of like the operating like standard operating procedure, that's the mo of like all of the major open source organizations at this point, it's it's weird. It's something that you just got to step back and go, what in tarnations is going on here? It's weird. Uh, let, all right, let's 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 continue on. Let's do it number five here, and let's stay on the open source initiative thing just for a moment here, because this one, this one might be the absolute most bizarre thing uh, that I feel like needs to be talked about. Only because people don't want you talking about this. And that is who coined the term open source, right? Who came up with the term open source when talking about software? It's a simple thing, right? It's not a, it shouldn't be a political issue. It shouldn't be a corporate control issue because who cares, right? It Like, how can it possibly modify anything? Like, it doesn't matter if Ted or Fred or Stanley or Nancy or Marguerite, who cares which one of them came up with the term open source software? Who cares who's the first one to use it? It doesn't really change anything, right? Well, people care a lot and they almost universally don't want you to know what the actual truth is. And that is so bizarre because why lie about something so innocuous? So here's the deal. So according to many different groups, including the Open Source Initiative, which you'll remember is the steward of the open source definition and was founded by people that they kicked out, um, and as well as Red Hat, opensource.com, and uh, almost every uh, technology journalist that works in the Linux or open source world, the answer is that it was the first time it was ever used was in 1998 at a series of meetings involving the open sourcing of Netscape. And the person that came up with the term was Christine Peterson. Okay. So 1998, Christine Peterson. That is what everyone 
tells you over and over again. And there are some truth state, true statements here. Christine Peterson was talking with people like Eric Raymond and others in 1998 about open sourcing Netscape. That is true. Those are true things. However, not only is that not the first time the phrase was used, that is really not the first time it was used, and every single person and group like the Open Source Initiative, Red Hat, OpenSource.com, all of them, they know for a fact that that was not, she did not come up with that phrase. So I wrote an article detailing really extensively the origins of the phrase open source when talking about software. I've linked to it. <laughs> I've linked to it from uh, from this uh, 630 Secrets piece so that people can look at it. But here's the gist of it. There are three possible answers for who first used the phrase open source in a documented, recorded way. So we could go back to 1996, which is two years before uh, the Christine Peterson uh, approved... Uh, the Open Source Initiative approved version of events. In 1996, Caldera used it because they, they had purchased DR-DOS from Digital Research and they were releasing it as open source. Um, and this was the first known usage of the phrase open source in context by a company in a press release. In fact, here's the, the, the title of the press release is, quote, Caldera announces open source code model for DOS. Okay. Unequivocal. So right there, open source initiative, Red Hat, all of them wildly incorrect. And they know it. And it goes back even further, though. If you go all the way back to 1990, a journalist by the name of Tony Paddy was writing on Usenet um, about uh, the about open source software, right? Well, what was he referencing? He was referencing an NSA document that was written in 1987 <coughs> talking about open source software. Yeah, this was open source as a phrase, specifically talking about software that has its source code available, like it's open source. So what that means is, in all likelihood, the first actual usage of the word open source in context that is documented and recorded is from the NSA in 1987. The full 11 years before Red Hat, the Open Source Initiative, and so many others claim the phrase was invented out of thin air. <laughs> now, so again, here's the weird part. They all know it. Open Source Initiative, Red Hat, everyone, they know this. These are not, these are not easy to disagree with facts there it's so astoundingly well documented it's ridiculous but they keep repeating the lie and when you reach out to them for comment they will not respond they do not want you to know 
where the phrase came from. They do not want you to know about the NSA. They do not want you to know about the journalists who talked about the phrase. They do not want you to know about the community members throughout the early 90s that used the phrase. They really don't want you to know about Caldera, a for-profit corporation that used the phrase several years before they ever did. They don't want you to know any of that. Why? <laughs> Why do prominent members of the open source industry push a known false narrative, a known piece of false information about the origin of such an innocuous phrase. Now, what possible benefit could there be, right? How does Red Hat or the open source initiative, the open source initiative, all right, they're the ones most closely tied to this, but why, how on earth do they benefit from this piece of strange lie, this weird lie? I mean, they're telling a lie, but why? That rhymed cool. But I mean, seriously, I don't understand. It, it boggles my mind. I, I wouldn't even have included this one if people like the Open Source Initiative weren't so steadfastly against people knowing this. Because otherwise it would just be an interesting but, you know, kind of trivial factoid. Like it would go into a uh, it would go into a history book somewhere because, OK, the, you know, this is the origin of that phrase. Easy enough and no big deal but they don't want you to know. The, when people don't want you to know these sorts of questions, man, the red flags, the alarm bells, things go off, there's sirens going off. And I'm like, I, I got, so many times I've looked into this one because I'm like, I, I've brainstormed with the people. I'm like, why? Why do they not want us to know? Why do they not want us talking about it? Do they not want us digging deeper into this? Like, I can't possibly even imagine how digging deeper into this weird little lie of theirs would result in anything interesting. But then why are they holding to the lie? For years. I've been calling them out on this for years now. <laughs> and what's really crazy, what's really, really dumbfoundingly weird and strange to me is all the Linux journalists and open source journalists that covered those, those in, sections of the industry they all read my stuff. I know they do. <laughs> I know they do. <laughs> and I've had conversations about this topic with several of them. And yet, they all repeat the lie version of it as well. Yeah. Why? Weird, right? Just super weird. All right, all right. So, okay. So, put keep that in mind. Just as you go about things, if you happen to ever run across something where it makes that at all make sense, let me know because I haven't a clue. It is just bizarre. All right. Um, let's talk one last thing. Let's move over to my favorite giant mega corporation, uh, Mozilla, <laughs> which I know they don't like me calling them Mozilla. Um, they, it's supposed to be Mozilla. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It looks to me like a combination, like their name between mozzarella and Godzilla. So mozzilla, that's how I say it. And that's how I like it. And if they're going to make up words, I get to say it how I want to. Um, <laughs> I, I was, uh, I worked in marketing for Sousa for, um, quite a few years. I was their, I was their lone Linux guy in marketing forever. <gasps> 
Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's another weird, dirty little secret of the industry I didn't even include in this. Linux companies, their marketing teams, all Mac users and Windows users. They do not use Linux. Like, if you go into a marketing, a marketing department for a big company that you would think of as being Linux people, you would be hard-pressed to find the Linux laptops. Like you see them every now and then, and the, but they're like just like throwaway set pieces. The people they use, like the people in charge of it, they use Windows or they use Mac. End of story. And they get grumpy if you ask them to use Linux. It's totally a true thing. It's weird. Anyway, so I worked at SUSE for quite a few years, and SUSE is not it is historically always mispronounced. It is pronounced SUSE, like the sousaphone or john phillips sousa a different spelling but that's how it's pronounced sousa um almost every ceo uh, well no 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 every ceo uh the last one nils brockman and the current one uh what's her face that's in there now uh they both mispronounced the name of their own company that they were the ceo of so many times um so <laughs> i have a I'm like, you know what? If the CEOs can't can't be bothered to get the pronunciation of their own companies correct, um, I get to I get to call them Mozilla whatever I want. Anyway, so here's a thing that's not a secret at all, but isn't talked about much. Two facts about Mozilla that people should bear in mind: the creators and developer of Firefox and all that. Number one, they are a for-profit corporation. Now, now a lot of you are like, no, they're a foundation. Yes, that's true, too. So how this works is actually very, very weird. So Mozilla set up a the Mozilla Foundation, right? And they also have the Mozilla Corporation. And the Mozilla Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit, right? So that is true. Fact. <laughs> However... That 501c3 foundation, the Mozilla Foundation, is the holy as the sole owner of the Mozilla Corporation. <laughs> and the Mozilla Corporation is run by the exact same person that runs the Mozilla Foundation. And the corporation brings in close to a billion dollars a year through advertising and all sorts of all sorts of stuff data mining and data collection deals and search deals and and all that stuff but people tend to think oh mozilla oh they're they're here for the free and open web and they're they're a, they're a non-profit foundation they love non-profitiness that's that's just how good they're in there no they're a for-profit mega corporation so they have a little less than a thousand employees worldwide and they bring in over 800 million dollars a year now are they a microsoft or an ibm no but they're a big big company that makes a lot of money i mean a ton of money Oh my word 800 million dollars a year and a lot of that a lot of that go to, goes towards things that most people don't even know about, like that are that aren't even related to web browsing. They're just like weird, like random projects and things like that. Uh, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm not against corporations, and I am not against people making a lot of money. 
Uh, not at all. In fact, Mozilla being a corporation doesn't make them evil or bad. Mozilla making close to a billion dollars every year? Shoot, high five. Uh, it doesn't make evil or bad. However, when they don't want you to refer to them as that, I ask why. Because that's what they are. It's okay to be what you are. Be proud of being a corporation. Be proud of earning that much money. That's a lot of money. Good job. <laughs> why, is it, why is it so hard for Mozilla and the fans of Mozilla and Firefox to admit that it's a corporation, which is how it's filed and structured, that makes over $800 million a year? It's a for-profit corporation, people. And run and it's weird that it's run by the same person that runs the foundation. Like it's there's there's surprise it's just a little odd. It's odd. It's weird, right? Like does does that not instantly raise an alarm bell in your head going, "Huh. I wonder what the tax implications are. I wonder if there's interesting ways that they had to handle like uh you know, not paying taxes on things or or getting certain deals or getting kind of immunity from certain, you know, legal actions or whatnot because they have a foundation that owns the corporation. Like, what are the benefits there? And, and the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but I feel like the first step is let's just all agree that Mozilla is a corporation because that's what it's registered as. And it makes a ton of money because it does. And they tell us that. Why, why can't we talk about that? Mozilla hates it when you talk about that. They, they shy away from that. They bury that information. They try and keep it from people. I mean, it's public, but it's not public. You know what I mean? Like, they don't, they don't, they don't talk it up. You know what I mean? Uh, again, it's, it's like it's a dirty little secret out in public. Just like all of these, all these are things that none of these things, the Linux Foundation, Open Source Initiative, uh, Mozilla, they don't want you talking about these things. And one has to ask why. It's always good to ask questions why. Uh, just, it's just important. Um, anyway, uh, I wanted to talk about this because I want to raise awareness of all of these things. It is okay to be a fan of a supporter, work for, work with, or or even be just, just like the Linux Foundation, Open Source Initiative, uh, Mozilla, any of them, right? Totally okay. But let's be honest and factual about what they are, what they do, and where their funding comes from, and who sits on their governance boards. These are things that we should just be okay talking about. But more importantly... We really need to get to stop redefining when the phrase open source was created because that's just weirding me out. It's just causing my brain to go for a little Latin loop de loo. You know what I'm saying? I just I can't I can't handle that. We <laughs> we just we need to be we need to come to the same place as a people and be like, yes, uh, this is where that phrase came from. Uh, no matter what the open source initiative, Red Hat, and everyone else desperately want you to believe, which is weird. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me tonight, everybody. Uh, thank you again to all the subscribers. Uh, dude, could not do it with you. It is, it is amazing. If you have not subscribed, uh, do so. Uh, not just because I want you to. <laughs> <laughs> but because you get so many benefits if you if you do the paying subscription, which is crazy cheap, it's literally a dollar a month. Right now it is twelve dollars 
for a year. <laughs> Which gets you all the exclusive podcasts, the exclusive articles. Uh, was it 10 books we're up to now? T- seriously, 10 books. Like, really fun books. Like, books of dad jokes about computers and the history of computers and and satirical article collections about Linux and programming. It's so much fun. Uh, uh, there's video games. There's, uh, there's all of it. Get in on that. Uh, just go do it right now. It'll make you feel better about yourself. Plus, all of the podcasts. If you're getting this uh, through Substack or Locals or Patreon or through your podcast reader... Good job, you nailed it. If you're grabbing this from YouTube or somewhere else, hey, you know what? I still love you. It's okay. We're cool. But there's better ways to get this show, I'm telling you right now. So go on over to lunduke.locals.com, lunduke.substack.com, patreon.com slash brianlunduke. Subscribe at any of these places, and you get all the same perks wherever you subscribe. So if you've already got an account on one of those three uh, sites, you're good to go. Otherwise, you know, pick one that you like the most. Pick one that you agree with their their principles the most or you like their site design the most whatever whatever you know follow your heart um but uh yeah there's better ways there's better ways than youtube and 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 everywhere else so anyway uh thank you again to all the subscribers you're amazing um again podcasts are coming out now on a regular schedule uh monday wednesday and thursday it's now thursday so i will see you guys again on monday but if you are not subscribed to the Lunduke Journal, you're going to miss out on everything that happens between now and then. Because I'm telling you straight up, there's going to be more articles or comics or satirical article pieces or something that's going to be happening tomorrow and throughout the weekend. Because not a day goes by without something fun or many somethings being fun being published to the Lunduke Journal. So uh, so go get on that. Uh, it is a moral imperative. And I will see you guys a little later. <laughs>